All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have an epic interview, one which I cannot do alone. So I have a co-host, Gabriel Xavier. Hello. And today we are talking with Matt. Sureman. And you might know him from his projects of No Target Audience, American War, The Sidekicks, and most recently, Lowercase Roses. Matt's playing November 13th at the Winchester with Sea level and Austin Stambaugh, who you might recall from last week. And um, all these shows are linked together through a week-long benefit called Knitting for, a Knit Q, Knitting for the Knit Q, uh, Amy Baker benefit, which is benefiting my friend and co-worker Amy Baker, who had some pregnancy complications and had to go into early labor. And... It's also benefiting the NICU itself. We're collecting knitted and crocheted um, hats, bootsies, and blankets. And the whole thing's working where we're doing live streamed concerts and in-person concerts throughout the week, starting from the 8th and ending on the 13th. And you get, you can either donate on the fundraiser, like going to a show, or to the link, which is all linked below. Or you could um, donate by sharing a crocheted or knitted item being a hat blanket or a bootsies and uh how the benefits breaking down is 90 percent of it is going to help amy with her medical cost and 10 percent is going to make what we call hope hearts which are going to be crocheted little hearts one of which stays and these are for parents at the NICU one of which stays with the parent one stays with the baby so that way the parent and the baby can always be connected in some way, especially during times like COVID where it's hard to be in the hospital for extended periods of time. That being said, this is also, uh, this is like a multi-tier show because this show in particular, the one Matt's playing, um, was a, it's a celebration of the completion of the film Springfish, which, uh, Gabriel. Yeah. So Matt, um, his project American War, um, which I think he said started around 2008, 2007, um, and went to about 2015, 14 or 15, I'm not sure. But um, we used a, a song um, from his record rhetoric called Bricks, which is kind of his anthem. Um, the Definitely the one everybody would know. Right. Um, and yeah, his, his music has always been kind of like lifeblood to me, and hearing it was like... Um, or going to see him play at this this venue in Lakewood um, called the Soggy Dog was very formative for me and my friend Austin and Henry um, and really defining for like who we are as people and artists and whatever. What was the first one you saw? Like first performance Matt did? Oh, uh, he, I booked a show at May Halls with him and Asinine. Um, this is when he was, uh, playing with no target audience and it was him asinine and amputines and uh i i had i was telling you earlier but i had listened to him on myspace <laughs> um and i was like oh this is the coolest music ever and i was listening to it for about a year before i booked that show and um the the music is so poetic and beautiful and like i was not expecting you know this like seven foot tall guy you know <laughs> it's yeah. like this imposing guy but then he's like really sweet too you know it was like kind of a shock yeah i recall the first time you took me to the soggy dog and we talk about it a little bit in the interview and it was just matt and andy doing an acoustic show and my brain being blown because i haven't really been to a house show at that point 
And the first one I go to is those two guys, which are both incredible singer-songwriters, and hearing a whole room just singing back every word with both of them, but especially the American War stuff, and just being like, this happens in houses? This is insane. This is like, the only thing I could compare it to at the time was seeing Tom Petty with my aunt. And I know Cody's <laughs> like, right now with, with even me comparing that, but just hearing a whole crowd of people sing a song and be moved by it. But this was even more impactful because this was in the living room and this guy's in a wheelie computer chair. Yeah. And like, it was so <laughs> cool. And like, that's been an endless source of inspiration for me, songwriting wise, and diving back into some of his work and knowing that he's still doing it and evolving as an artist. And like, the fact that we get to play a show with him. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, what well, was cool for me, like, showing you that is like, I, I, I think I realized I had like taken it for granted almost because those soggy dog shows, like Matt was saying, there was like one a week. Um, and that was just the soggy dog. They would also be playing. There was a couple house shows on the east side that would happen. They would play at the grog shop, um, and um, yeah, we, I, I think our our initial group we got so used to that that we we started taking it not 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 taking it for granted in a bad way, but it was just like the norm. Like, right. oh yeah, this is what happens. You start a band and you play in these houses, and everyone loves it and. Everyone sings along to the songs, and then to like bring you there, and you're like, "This happens." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is every week for me." You know, I, re- I remember being so floored by that, and walking back because we walked from your place to the Soggy yeah. Dog, and just being like, "Whoa, like <laughs> this is cool!" Yeah. And like we were probably like, "Calm down, Dave." Uh, no, I'm for this sure. This is gonna be it. This is gonna be your life now. <laughs> this is it, dude. We, we had like, to sit you down. <laughs> definitely and like that's one thing i'm so grateful for all these people in my life but especially you um for opening my mind to so many artists like matt like before before i knew you i didn't know the fugazi fugazi i was i don't know why i said it right that fugazi they play a lot of fugues they feel like a little fugage (laughs) ian mckay or the whole diy movement or even joe strummer and like so much of my musical and like philosophical world was opened and enlightened by stuff you shared which wouldn't have happened unless we hung out at the at the was it tree huggers cafe yeah. mic night and right like, <laughs> <laughs> and um that's why i'm super proud of all the work you've done to get to this point right now when this is being aired the film's going to be shown to a crowd of people for the first time and that's not an easy feat and like especially during a pandemic and like that's but that that's always one of the things that inspired me about you it's like this go at it just do itness and like so i i'm excited that we can help celebrate on november the 13th and that beforehand we'll get to watch the film while you're in a pasture or whatever yeah and that's i, I think that's why i one of the reasons why i chose bricks too is because it's so even though like aside from like three people in the audience i don't think many people will have heard it but it it just pulls you in right. in the same way as seeing matt sing it in front of people in real life um i'm like part of me is like i hope just like you know you and austin just start shouting the lyrics at the screen or something like it's a soggy dog show you don't don't do that but <laughs> no you can't <laughs> but um yeah just like it that music makes me feel so communal 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I picked it, even if like, you know, everyone's going to be like, what, what's this song? It sounds cool, but I've never heard it. Right. Because it's 12 years old now, which is <laughs> insane. The recording in the song is even older. Yeah? I think so. A couple. I think he played, he wrote that a couple years before that's recording it. I, I, but that's, I don't know. That's the, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure there's a million scenes across the country like that, that will never get to be, but be part of, or even enjoy. And like, it's just cool to kind of like have that and be able to share it in this different context. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was so important to, because it's so important to my life to include that song. And it's, the film kind of starts with that song and then ends with an Andy Cook song. So it's kind of like, paying tribute to both of them right, I guess. full circle yeah all right and, and that's oh uh, one, one more little silly thing is andy sings on bricks oh yeah and um he sings backup vocals and on the i realized this when i was editing but andy's song um uh well i can't remember the name of it uh uh blueberry no. mulberry no no um, um is it the one that's like River uh, River Bones? Sorry, River Bones. River okay. Bones. Um, Matt sings backup vocals in that. That's like a really I didn't full circle that thing. I was like yeah, editing it, cool. and I was like, "Oh wow, they're on both of these songs." <laughs> Sick. But now we're just rambling. Now we're just rambling. We're gonna play "Hallways of You" by Lowercase Roses. That was In the Hallways of You by Lowercase Roses off the album Titanic Planet. 
Um, so if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on all the podcast platforms, it really helps me talk to cool artists and share those insights with you. Um, also, during this week of the benefit, if you can share or even if you know someone who crochets or knits or anyone who has interest in helping babies in the NICU or has nothing going on that week, any any form of like sharing this event is going to go a far away and we're going to help a family that's in need. Um, and I will be internally grateful and uh, be on the lookout for spring fish when it comes out. We are going to dive into our conversation with Matt. Shuerman. <laughs> <laughs> so to kind of jump into it um what do you have music in your family uh <laughs> i yeah i guess so my 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 mom i mean definitely my mom uh is a very good singer she actually used to sing like opera yeah and yeah. um she does uh theater and she still does theater and like sometimes like movies she's she does she's an actress so uh she's very she likes to perform in various ways but she's always singing and stuff uh and then my dad was um musical for sure you know that's kind of how i learned how to play guitar he had guitars like lying around and stuff um I'm pretty sure he was in like a band in college, but I don't think he, <laughs> it was just like a fun thing for him. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I feel like my mom's side of the family is like musically inclined. There, Like when I was growing up, there would be like, we would have like Christmas dinner or something and everyone would, at the end of it, like at the end of Christmas, uh, people were just singing and like, but not like, like they were like all like harmonizing with each other and stuff. Like my mom's sisters are, I don't know, they all like to sing. So, wow. Okay, yeah. so like, that's that's pretty. Like, was your mom very like, or were they, how did that enter? Like, how was that kind of put on? They, was it welcome to you? It sounds like if everyone's singing, like everyone's just kind of welcome to sing, and these, we're gonna find harmony around you. But like, did they express interest in you getting into music or? Was that just kind of like you were up left uh, and up to your own uh, like uh, devices and like they supported it or? Um, I think they like I've been very fortunate. Like they, my family's always been very supportive of just like artistic endeavors at all. Like when I was growing up, I d I did like visual art. Like I was I was drawing a lot and like. Mm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, when I got to high school, I started a band and stuff, and it was not, you know, you you hear stories of people's parents who, I don't I don't know why, but they don't, they don't like when their kids play music or something, or, but it was like never that way at all. It was always like, um, it was always, I was always supported, and like, as far as like, I mean, like I I, I remember. I can remember like being in the car with my mom and she would be singing along to like songs on the radio and, but like singing a harmony. And I would just mem remember being like, that's not the same notes, but it sounds really good. And 
just being like fascinated by that. Um, so I think that the environment was always positive. I, I, I don't think I was, I don't think music was necessarily like pushed on me or anything like that, or like, or, or it wasn't like, I don't know, people weren't in bands or anything like that. It was never like explicit music. It was just kind of, I think generally being artistically inclined was like, I was supported by it, which I'm very fortunate, you know, that's a very fortunate thing to have happened. When you first started playing, were you like getting into punk and rock and stuff? And was there any like friction with your mom being into, you know, um, opera or was she just totally supportive? Um, well, I shouldn't, you know, she did sing opera, but she, you know, she was listening to the Beatles and like Aretha Franklin and like, Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. And like (laughs) super into like James Taylor and Frank Sinatra and stuff. Um, so, but yeah, like when I started my first band, it was definitely like a punk band. Uh, no target audience. Actually, there's a band called. It was a band in high school. It was called Punch Drunk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that was like a three-piece punk band. Um, just hilarious. Just I don't know. <laughs> hilarious songs. But, but it, was, yeah. it was very fun. And uh, you know, I don't. I don't know that my parents were like, "This is, sounds good." I don't think they ever said that. But they were like you know, you're doing something, you're with your friends, it's, it's musical. So it's good. It's like a positive thing. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I, that song, um, Oliver on Sur- surgical pop kind of always like makes me think of those early days, like with myself of being like a young teenager in a band in a garage, um, and trying mm-hmm. to write songs. And I, I always wondered if that's kind of like what you were going for, if there was someone named Oliver in your life who was kind of like, influential to you uh actually no this that's funny that you mentioned that song because (laughs) that song was definitely about me kind of like thinking about like what you're saying like um just playing music when you're first starting out or even not even when you're first starting out but just kind of like keeping it uh simple and enjoyable and you know like analog for lack of a better term like like doing things uh i don't know just doing things for fun and also for yourself and to be creative but but that song specifically it's weird because i was reading uh you know those 33 and third you know those little books oh yeah those are great yeah there was, I'm pretty sure this was what I was reading. It was something, but it was, it was about guided by voices. Mm. And, uh, there was this, this part of the, one of those books that were, was about, uh, Robert Pollard when he was like, you know, cause he was like a school teacher, but he would like keep writing. He was like, write all these songs and stuff. And I guess one time he had, they had like a garage sale and he was like beneath in a basement <clears throat> making all this noise and people like didn't know what it was. And I don't know. It's just like this little story that kept that, that stayed in my mind. And I was like, that's really cool. And I'm a huge fan of guy by voices and like, you know, and Oliver was just a name that felt good to sing. <laughs> right. 
so that's kind of like it's just like this it's just like a fictitious character basically basically what we're talking about like kind of yeah, like yeah. who likes to just for lack of a better term like do things in a punk rock way where you're just kind of like you know do grabbing stuff in your garage and just making sounds with it and stuff beautiful were you were you kind of yearning for that more at that time or when you were making I that think, record actually yes i think i was i think i was uh, like i don't know that i've experienced this too often but i feel like i was actually looking for a sound and i was like for that whole album like i wanted to record it to tape i wanted to like do all these things that were kind of like hands-on and um I don't know, like simple, simple as far as just like not questioning yourself too much about it and stuff. And it's weird because that album, I was recording it with my friend Russell and we were recording it to like a reel to reel tape machine that he had. And then the tapes got, the reels got all fucked up. So there's like these, there's like basically the whole album that got ruined <laughs> oh, no. and we, we had to like re-record it. And my friend Matt up in uh, the Poconos, which I, I'm happy with the way it came out, but yeah, uh, it's just weird that that happened. Like it was like, but yeah. So to answer your question, I think that like I was, it was like the first full length of lowercase roses. And I wanted to be intentional about the sound and intentional about like, you know, making things that, that I thought sounded cool deliberately, you know? So right. I, I definitely think that I've never really thought about that, but yeah, I guess that song like kind of sums it. And I guess the track, the title, the uh, album title comes from that song too. Yeah. So. And it's, it's kind of your first solo album after, you know, sidekicks too. Mm -hmm. So kind of having to like refine yourself and that's really interesting. Yeah. Definitely. And, and just the notion of, of like surgical pop, just like um, just loosely uh, the theme was just like in the vein of collaging things together as far as sounds and ideas and uh, lyrics, you know, it's kind of why Oliver doesn't exist. It's just like, well, just go with it, you know, right. It's just, it's just like, who cares? Yeah, Nothing, yeah. you know, so yeah, I guess there was like a. It's funny. I've never really talked about this music with people, <laughs> like so, like so plainly. But yeah, it, it definitely was like a theme kind of thing. Right. Cause, and, um, sorry, sorry if I get too like analytical. Because <laughs> no worries I, at all. I kind of no. hate when people are like, like when we were making this film and people were like, oh. Uh, you know, what does this part in the script mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I just wrote it. But then when I'm talking right. to other artists, I'm like, I want to know what every word means and why you used it. So apologies. Totally. <laughs> no, that... no. It, it, because I do feel like sometimes there are intentions. There are, you know, there are like are reasons and there's sometimes people are really meticulous. But I appreciate the questions because sometimes, I mean, I feel like I've been, I've heard interviews or whatever where people are like, well, there is no reason for it. And even that to me is like useful information. You know, I'm like, totally. Oh, that's cool. Like yeah. it's, it's like, it's kind of nice to hear either or, you know? Right. Yeah. There is a beauty in that. And like, just 
thinking that, you know, something you, that means so much to you can mean nothing kind of to someone else or even to the person who wrote <laughs> totally. it, you know, it, it kind of humanizes this thing you like you worship in a way or this thing that moves you. Um, Absolutely. That record does have a sound. That's a rocking record. Um, oh, <laughs> it is. It's so guitar. Like, and Gabe and I were kind of going back and forth and like, oh, there's some Pixies influence in here. There's yeah. like. Um, kind of going into that was that what was was guided by voices like one of the the like kind of tonal centers you were kind of trying to draw inspiration from for that record, or um, was there any like other people like that that were or artists that were inspiring that record? Um, guided by voices for sure. I think. Uh, um, let me think specifically. I don't really know. I think the breeders probably okay. uh, really like the breeders. I do like the pixies a lot, yeah. um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think something. I think something like that. Guided by voices. I mean, I feel like you know, a lot of people like guided by voices for a lot of different reasons and stuff. But I think just something that generally influence that album um was just like like i feel like they have such a if you if you listen to a lot of their stuff they have such a, like a wide range of like types of songs and i think just this notion of just like who cares just record it if you like it record it make an album you know it doesn't have to be coherent in any way or like i don't know so i think almost like aesthetically be almost like beyond the music i think that band influenced that record a lot and i mean i haven't really listened to them in a while <laughs> to be honest <laughs> like during that time that was for sure i was like i'm gonna make a fucking record that's like i don't know just like weird i'm gonna not weird but just like i'm going to embrace these ideas that I have, I don't want to make, I don't really want to think about what other people are going to think about it. You know, um, I'm sure there, there were other specific artists and stuff, but I, I do think that that band was like during that time in my life was like a huge kind of just influence. Interesting. Like, and with, with a lot of times influence doesn't have to be direct, you know, I mm -hmm. like, I like ACDC. So this record sounds like it. But um, yeah. to kind of step it back to, to punch uh, punch drunk, like um, when you're starting to like, because I I remember one of the first shows I saw at the Soggy Dog were is was you and Andy Cook in oh, yeah. the upstairs the, the portion of it, and it was like an acoustic show, and like um, I just met Gabe, he's like oh, we're gonna go see this show, and it was you two, and you had this voice that just and you still do you had this this your voice has this presence and everyone in that room was singing every one of those uh american war songs at the time and like, yeah <laughs> so when you started to get into music was there was there kind of did like did the, those harmonies that you would hear your mom sing kind of step in and like start to make sense did she kind of like guide you and like oh use your diaphragm or like did you have any like vocal tips or did this kind of like this voice just come out um i didn't have any like vocal tips necessarily and and that's amazing it's funny, 
because people like I've been recently asked about like vocal like breathing and stuff and and um I don't really know anything about that stuff. <laughs> I really don't and but I think that something that happened when I started the first band I was ever in when you you know when you're like playing guitar and you're singing into a microphone you, you at least in my experience, you're singing differently than you have ever sang in your life. Like you're, you're being louder because that it requires that, you know, right. to sing that loudly in any other occasion would be kind of weird. And I think that like, there's no way of you really understanding your capabilities and once and until you do that. And I think that like, I'm still on this kind of like, this like learning experience with singing where you you understand that you like to do it and you you push yourself in certain ways and i think specifically with like the american war stuff like i i was pushing so hard all the time you know right and it was like i think people responded to it almost because it was like alarming (laughs) (laughs) and like you know so you know maybe most of the time i could keep a like i could like sing somewhat in tune so i think people were like oh, that's pretty impressive that you can push that hard and stay you know listenable basically and but that kind of like moving away from that has been really interesting too because I just don't like to sing like that anymore. I don't really like to push that hard. And, but it's still like this thing where like you challenge yourself just like you're in your capabilities and like, and you listen to other people's voices and you're like, you start to love all these other people's voices and stuff. But I don't know the technical aspects of it. And there's part, there's a part of me that keeps myself purposefully ignorant about technical stuff. Like I don't even, I know like, five the names of maybe five or six chords and i don't really know how to play guitar very well (laughs) but like and you know i don't know if that's right or wrong sometimes i definitely wish i knew like the more uh like how to properly play stuff and stuff but right well you know it's kind of like a bruce lee's got this thing like the 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 way of no way right so Mm -hmm. no you know knowing that there is a way but not having the no legs in the whole idea of the classically trained man gets stuck in the rut. So if you kind of mm. don't know that, you, everything still is inspirational and in like can be an open opportunity. And like listening to those American War, uh, the 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 records and the EPs, I'm like, man, he has to lose his voice all the time because like <laughs> your your range is like a high A. That's like. I spent forever trying to sing okay, and I totally understand that <laughs> that never-ending thing because you constantly change, and you know, I mean, your voice is constantly changing, so you're constantly learning, and that's the beauty of it. But like, I was like, how does he do that for like a whole show? So it's 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 I, to right now very like inspiring to hear that you're like I I don't want to sing that much anymore because you would push it. So like, and that that's straining. Uh, yeah i mean i mean honestly i mean it's it's nice of you to say that i appreciate it but it's you know it it 
was strenuous on my voice. I think I was doing it often enough that I got used to it. But like, mm-hmm. if I was to do that now, I would definitely lose my voice, I feel like. But it it is funny. Sometimes I used to think like, I'm, I used to be like, like I'm singing like an 80s hair metal vocal, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but singing like, I don't know, punk songs or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's just nice to like a nice thing about that era was understanding that I could do certain things. And Hmm. even nicer was learning that I just because I can doesn't mean I should or want to, you know, and there have been people that, you know, not, not like a lot of people or anything, but like people have asked me like, why don't you, they don't, like they've they've kind of alluded to like why don't you sing like that anymore or anything i don't know i'm just like it just doesn't interest me and i and i i do enjoy singing this different way now where it's like the energy is still there but it's almost used to like it's used in different ways it's used to like hold notes differently in different ranges and stuff you know so yeah it's more I don't know. it's more economic for sure and yeah. we were, I was showing Dave, um, cause I have some of the no target audience stuff, um, from like before you guys were like a full band when it was just you and Paul. Um, oh yeah. and that was like the first stuff I heard. Um, I think I heard it on MySpace when I was like 14. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. and I forgot like just how political it was <laughs> and how, you know what I mean? And I was like, where, where did that come from? Like, where did like, you're kind of like social conscience come from and why 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 was it so necessary to be like oh you know the lyrics should be political well i don't know i think it was like <laughs> like i'm sure if i listen to him now i just laugh at the lyrics but like i think it was definitely you know punk music and whatever punk politics had just had a really big impact on me and i thought like I feel like it's the same story for a lot of people who go through that, especially during that era. There was like anti-flag, there was against me. There was like totally all, all these bands that were kind of explicitly political, even though it's arguable, like, I don't, it's arguable. Like, were they really political? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But like, they were saying things that were very interesting and very, and then, you know, I used to love like dead Kennedys and like, um, yeah the the more kind of like whatever political kind of punk rock stuff and so i think also i didn't really know what else to think sing about like i think that during that time for no target audience i can't even remember how old i was i feel like i was like i think it was like my early 20s so i was just going through a lot of very difficult stuff and rather than i don't think i had the language to really just like describe what i was really going through so i kind of got angry and then it turned into like you know i think a lot of those songs were just complaining about stuff basically complaining in a very vague white guy way of complaining about stuff and so that's kind of what it came I just think that's just what came out like it was interesting to me and i thought it was like 
what I should be doing or what or or but I don't know. So I think it's just a bunch of different stuff kinda. Totally. And, yeah. yeah, when I um I was kind of like reflecting back on it and it's interesting that you you talk about like oh you know the a lot of the punk bands at the time um and there was that whole kind of like folk punk thing happening um yeah and like the no target audience and american war stuff seems like so of its time and like not in a way that like you know it's not you or you know you were putting on a front or anything like that i don't mean that mm-hmm. um it was still obviously you but when I remember when I first heard the Surgical Pop album, I was like, holy shit, like, this is Matt. You know what I mean? Like, it, it felt yeah. so pure. Like, I, I could hear influences, but it seemed so, like, singular and organic. Um, I don't know if that's really a question, but if you have anything to say <laughs> on that, like... No, I, I, I appreciate that. And it's very nice to hear that because... My, I feel like the history, the history of my music is so weird and, and like not a lot of it exists online, I don't think. And so like for someone who has heard a lot of it, <laughs> I feel like it's just nice to for someone to be like, that was noticeable, you know, like that was like when you deliberately changed. I mean, you know, I changed the name. I, I didn't want to do that music anymore. And like. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's very reassuring to know that, um, kind of like pulled it off in a certain way. And I, I definitely agree with you. Like that stuff was like a time and place kind of thing. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of those, like the finds Ohio, like a lot of those bands were really cool at the time. And, and totally, yeah. even if I heard those songs now, I'd be like, Oh, I like this song a lot, but like, very strange folk punk is weird i don't like it very much yeah (laughs) and like i don't think it sounds good but there's a lot of weird bands that came out of there but when it was good it was really good and i think that that i think i kind of that stuff really struck me and i feel like i emulated that in a lot of ways but yeah i definitely appreciate you noticing like you know me trying to just do my own thing yeah definitely yeah it's interesting like i don't know if you're hip to victor wooten at all but wooten has this uh this kind of a concept of being in phase and phase being like a type of phrase so like uh in in music you have like musical phrases you say when you put it over chord progression and Mm -hmm. throughout life you go through different phases and in some way like every phrase musically has to end for it to make sense and if mm-hmm. it doesn't end it just seems like a long un uh, un uh, understandable thing so like when things cap that makes sense for that phrase for that yeah for that phrase and it, it he, victor equ- uh, equates it to a phase in your life and like mm-hmm. i think that makes sense that you would start off like like well, going into a punk thing, then taking that solo and then building it to where you are now. But like the kind of step back into kind of getting a timeline here. Uh, when did No Target Audience start from Punch Drunk? Like, well, Paul was in Punch Drunk, so my friend Paul, who I started No Target Audience with, we're like we've been you know we're friends since we we're ten years old. So we went to middle school, high school, and stuff. So punch drunk and did 
Uh, I don't even know. I think it's this is this might be too like <laughs> too too personal or something. But there's a benchmark in my life that is when my dad passed away. So that was when I was 20 years old, and I think I don't think he ever like heard no target audience. So I think punch drunk ended probably when I was 19 or 20 and then <clears throat> no target audience, I think probably started like immediately after he died. So it's probably 20 years old. So that was 2005, I think must, must've been when it started. And then, yeah, it was just me and my friend, Paul, we were doing like, I don't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> it's weird. It's six songs. And then we kind of added some more people. And I don't know when that band kind of faded away. I don't, I, I can't remember what year it was. I think 2008 or 2009 or something. And yeah, I think you were kind of starting to do the American war thing as the no target audience thing was fading. I seem to remember there being some overlap, but that was, yeah. that was also a long time ago. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure American War. I started doing that in 2009. I'm, I think. So, or, or when did yeah. that split come out? Because I think that was maybe like 2007. The... Damn, was it? <laughs> it <could> be, yeah. <laughs> well, 2009 was the first time I ever went on tour. I think with hmm. American War. Okay. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> no. <I don't... laughs> was it a so at that at that like when you when you start to do the American War thing is that like um are you the soggy dog is that like a is that where the hang is where like geographically are you at that point Yeah so no target audience was I was living in Kent because I went to Kent for a total of 2 years over the span of many years and then I dropped out so I was just living in Kent with my friends who were still attending Kent. Mm. And so that's where I was when the target audience started. And then I met <laughs> like Ken Dix and um, the people from like Asinine and the sidekicks, like before I was in it and um, some other punk bands when they would come to Kent and play. We, did you, did you, ever go to kent to see so do you remember like club chameleon i do yeah okay so that's where i met that's where we like randomly would play shows together with like cleveland punk bands that were from like more close to cleveland and when i met them you know i met kenny and scott and like <clears throat> sanders and stuff so they were all living at the soggy dog and i think that they had i think that they had already been doing shows but that was like um just like i just wasn't aware of of you know house shows or anything like that so meeting those people was like nuts like i remember just going to so many shows like every single weekend basically yeah and, that was so vital for i think everyone who was involved because there was just nothing ever like that you know yeah and there was like Again, I think it was a time and place thing where like so many people were interested in this kind of music and aesthetic and like 
doing things, I don't know, like just in a more simple way. And like, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like for, you know, years after that, I was, I mean, there was, I remember there was times in my life where I was playing shows like at least once a week for like weeks and weeks. It was so weird, <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, pretty cool. And, and just, you know, that, that place was, uh, like you said, just, it was pretty vital for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Sometimes I think like, oh, how many times did I see like reverse the curse or something? And it's like, yeah, at least like 30, you know, <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's so funny. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about the rhetoric recording a little. Um, so I just love the production of that. And I know um, you did that with Andy. And I was wondering how much um, collaboration was involved with that in terms of some of the arrangements. Um, I know you had like those songs already, but would you just kind of like throw down the guitar and the vocal and be like, Andy, you figure it out? Or did you guys collaborate more? Well, as I remember it, and I, you know, this was kind of a long time ago. And I, um, I went to Oberlin where he was living and we, I think I had the songs written probably some demos or something but yeah it was definitely like the type of thing where we would lay down one part of it maybe a guitar and like scratch vocals or something and then we would just kind of like be like oh it'd be cool if this was there and we just add it and then if we it was kind of we just would layer stuff over and over and uh so as i remember it was pretty collaborative and we were kind of just both stoked to just be working on stuff. I think like there was definitely nights where we stayed up all night, just like, you know, recording like little guitar parts and like putting amps in hallways and getting weird sounds and like, but yeah, he, I feel like he just had a more of a pop sensibility. So that, that record, I feel like, and I haven't listened to it in years, but like, I think it just has like a super, super kind of crisp pop kind of, vibe to it which totally. is which is all i feel like it was mostly like could be attributed to his influence yeah like dignity has such a kind of like soul feel yeah. to it and i remember like you know when you would play that solo it it sounded more like the folk punk thing and then on that mm -hmm. record it's like sam cook or otis redding or something it's really cool and it, yeah totally yeah what was a what would be like a I guess a, a takeaway from working with Andy, like what was like a, a production thing maybe you took with you to some of these new records that maybe you wouldn't have kind of thought about? Like, do you put amps in the hall still? Like, where are some like, <laughs> I feel like I do weirder shit than that now. Oh but yeah. Like, I, I think that working with him in that whole experience was the first time I was able to kind of learn how to trust my own ideas and be like just be okay trying things and like just I don't know like generally understanding that like you can add and take away things from songs they don't have to be just this thing that you inst that you came up with and just recorded and like mm. that you can like 
manipulate them and, they, and that that's that can be a good thing and then you can so i think like just generally that was the first it was it was like fun and and i've had experiences that even like very recently where like you're working on something with people and you realize that it's just like you're just like playing it's like playing as a kid you know it's like this is just fun and you're like uh all of your you're only concerned about this there's no like adult worries or fucking like existential crisis it's just like you're in this room having fun with your friends and and just like coming up with stuff so i think that was just the first time that i really like appreciated that not maybe nothing specifically as far as like tonal stuff but like i feel like I don't know. Like, I feel like I was just like, oh, I think I like, re- like, music in general, recording music in general, and like, you know. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense because, like, I was talking with a uh, um, John from the band The Hush Drops earlier this morning, and like, we kind of brought up this point where it's like, music and and like sports and theater are like the only like outlets or, or career paths that you play like the, the thing you do is play you get to play you know what i mean yeah. like and uh I, I, there's something so naive and refreshing that when you look at it like that when you have someone like dedicated and focused like a charlie parker figure or like a, a take us a, a henry rollins figure someone who's like stern and this has has to be the way you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's also fun too you know and I, it's important to to realize that and like it's weird, like, because I feel like a lot of you, you, you get to a point with like, and I say you, maybe I mean I, um, you get to this point where it's like, you work so hard to be able to do the thing, to be able to go on the mic and be confident in what you're doing. Maybe not like 100% confident, but confident you can express it the best way to your abilities at that moment. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes it takes away that we're playing. This is fun. So that's that's beautiful that um, working with Andy kind of like brought that out yeah i definitely agree and uh i think maybe even going back to maybe like surgical pop it was just like but maybe just like another iteration of that kind of like getting back in touch with that theme and it would be a it would look different but it was just like kind of Going back to that, like, yeah, like, you know, I mean, I feel like you both write songs, so, like, you know what it's like to just kind of exist in this weird uh, improvisational space where you don't know what's going on. It's kind of like this foggy atmosphere, but you're having fun, and you're like, I don't know where... I'm going, I don't know what that was or whatever, but it's fun and it's, uh, I don't know. I kind of don't like the word creative, but I guess I think that's what it is. It's creative. It's like, it's like, and going back to what you were saying, um, sorry, I think I have to plug my phone in. Hold on. Sorry. You're good. Um, Going back to what you're saying, I forget his name, Victor something. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. But uh, when you were saying something about phrasing and how 
those types of things change and, and like when you're writing something a phrase is over it and stuff and that made me think about um uh like vocally lyrically like i feel like i've gone through like when i've been playing certain like when i've been writing and i'm there's like a core like a chord progression that i like and i'm singing a melody but i'm just singing words that don't make any sense there's been like there's been like eras where i sing one phrase oh like over all of these different melodies and i don't and the, the phrase doesn't make any sense but like there's this new phrase not um, that i'm noticing that i'm singing now and i'm like this is just so weird hmm. anyway maybe i'm going off the deep end there but i feel like it's it's all tying to this kind of like open-endedness of creativity and playfulness and like you know just kind of letting yourself there's this just like sense of freedom that you're i don't know yeah it's almost like a almost a secondary reality to tap into sometimes totally yeah. and you know it's akin to a lot of different things i feel like people i feel like it's like a meditation it's kind of like a i don't know there's different ways to experience that but i think for people who like music that's that's the way we do it <laughs> do, you, do you like a do you practice writing like do you have a do you just write when the when that phrase comes to you or do you like have a set time like i'm just gonna write stuff work on music like i always like to ask if there's like a kind of a creative practice to some degree because meditation to some people is a practice yeah um, i well hello like Oh, sorry. I'm just sorry. thinking. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I, I, uh, sorry. Someone's trying to. Cody's trying to call. <laughs> this. Hold on. Let me try to end end Cody so so we don't have to. Oh yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, yeah. we're sorry. All right. No, you're good. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. All right. Well, I think that this is something like again where I'm where I'm talking about how this isn't just like a never ending kind of learning experience where like nowadays i really <laughs> want i want to like be more intentional about making time to deliberately write either lyrics or or music or work on music or something but there really isn't like I, if i'm being honest there's it's just kind of like i'll i play guitar kind of like sporadically i love melodies so that's what that's usually where any song starts is just like some sort of progression in some melody that i enjoy singing and then lyrically <laughs> i feel like lyrics are such a like i don't think i'm a very good lyricist and i and i think that that's something that i really would like to work on and like I think when people are good at it, it's just like so, it's just amazing. It's so impressive. And so like, it's such a powerful thing when like lyrics and music line up and they make sense and it's just like amazing. So I, there, there really isn't like a, a set process, but generally I think it's like music and melody and then the basically the general vibe of the song i'm like okay i'm pretty sure this is going to be about this and then later i'll just like excruciatingly try to come up with lyrics that make some sort of sense and i don't know 
that's just generally though sometimes yeah. it doesn't sometimes it, there's this song on uh that record titanic planet that i put out last year that's like it's called color blue and that song you know i think i wrote it in like 10 minutes or something you know so like it just depends i don't know it's just so it's weird that's yeah that's a beautiful song it's insane to me that you think you're not a good lyricist (laughs) (laughs) we both looked at each other like what what the fuck um i gotta say it was uh super funny um when we were we were shooting the scene where uh a character is driving and listening to bricks um we were playing it while we were shooting um and the character who austin austin who you're going to be playing the show with he's also a brilliant songwriter and um he was like these lyrics are really clever he's like i hope to get to talk to this guy about his writing one day (laughs) i was like i suck i don't want to talk to you (laughs) but that that's I think that's so sorry. I was just going to say, like, I think that's so inspiring because we're all trying to trying to reach a thing. And I don't think anyone you ever feel there's not a point if you're doing a creative endeavor of any sort where you feel like you 100 percent have reached it. And like hearing you say that, because Gabe and I have kind of like that. That was the first house show I went to was you and Andy Cook and here in a room sing every word with you. I was so inspired to get better at writing to make a song that's somewhat okay to what you were doing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and I think we lead by example and just in general, like as people. So that to me, that the fact that you have to do more, you feel, or you, you haven't got to the goal you want to is beyond exciting. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) which is so inspiring, my friend. Um, Oh yeah. I I mean, I feel, yeah, I, I, I think that like I don't I don't know like it, it has never even been a question to me that like it's like I write a song and I'm like all right well let's what's the next song you know it's it's never like all right that's that's I'm done I'm <laughs> I've gotten my point across which is like I mean there's that old Dylan quote that's like an artist is always in the process of becoming which I just I think that everybody kind of would agree with that the people that make stuff or whatever i just think generally that's probably true yeah and i love there's another quote i forget which poet said it but he said a poem is never finished it's only abandoned yeah that kind of thing i think it's cool and and i think i don't know i i feel the older i get the the kind of i have to be like I have to be like, you know, you should be proud of yourself for still enjoying this and still enjoying other people's art, other people's music, all these, you know, I think that it's so easy to kind of drift away from stuff or get bitter or something. And not to say that I don't have my moments of that, but like, just generally, I'm like, I just still fucking love music. It's, and it's, it's, I think it's worth like taking the time to be like, I think that you should acknowledge that and be happy about that. And, and I don't, I think that's like a good sign. A hundred percent because so many people spend their whole life trying to find a thing to have like an unknown enthusiasm for or a spark of joy. And like, I personally feel like, insanely blessed that mine is organizing loud sounds and being Mm. like hey look at my sounds 
you know, but if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be in this room with the dog and Gabe talking to you, you know, and like, as, as weird as that sounds, like, it, it led somewhere, and like, so many of my friends who are going through life and like, are working to find that purpose and find that thing they want to do, not even mm-hmm. the thing they should do, and like, I don't know, I agree with you, like, it's good just to know you enjoy it. You know, it doesn't have to be like selling out the Agora. It, it it just matters if it sells out your heart, you know, and moves you, which I think is the most Austin thing I said today, Gabe. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. That's cool. Wait, so this the, the, the person who stars in the movie is also a musician? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, word. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I worked with him at Guitar Center, and uh, he's, a, he's more of a country uh, folk singer-songwriter. And... Um, he met Gabe through other means, yeah. and then Gabe. I guess I can let you explain a little bit of your I, film. <laughs> I mean, we're we're talking to Matt. I know, <laughs> I know, but yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, um okay. so like while all this is going on and you're doing American War, when did like the sidekicks thing happen? Uh, let me see here. I. <sighs> Okay, that was that was definitely 2009 because that was when I Wade think, of Air came out, right? I think so. And yeah, that, yeah I, I basically just joined them for like at the beginning of that record. So, yeah, they I remember I don't know if you if either of you remember that when the Sidekicks would play they would have two people in the band that sometimes just like wouldn't show up. Yeah. I don't like, yeah, there was like, there was a um, bass player and a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were just kind of like unreliable people, but I mean, they're, they're cool people, but like, yeah, yeah. I think Steve was just like looking for other people to join. And then we, I remember us, I remember us kind of bonding over, again like these harmonies like are we, that was when the Ava brothers were big and everyone was listening to them we were super into them and we would like be at parties or something and then just start like singing harmonies together yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah and and then i think he was just like would you like he was he wanted to join the band and i was just like hell yeah like i i was a huge fan of theirs i mean that was you know after so long soggy dog came up and that I feel like that album was like. I remember hearing that for the first time, just being like, "I can't believe this is like a local band. Like this is yeah, nuts." And so they were good. like seventeen or eighteen too. Oh yeah, they yeah. were so young and just yeah. like. But yeah, so I think he asked me, and then I remember, yeah, like jamming with them. I think and at the Saga Dog in the basement, and then. Uh, you know, I can't really remember like what the status of like No Target Audience or American War really was. I, th- I mean, I was definitely doing American War still. I don't know if No Target Audience like I don't even know if we ever like officially broke up or anything. But like, I think we were just not doing stuff. So I was just like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll be in your band, and then uh, I don't know. It's just kind of st- I just kind of stayed in the band for five years. Yeah. Yeah. The the harmonies with that are also beautiful and yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a fun experience being with with that band and uh, 
but yeah again i I just feel like i was it was that era where i was just pushing so hard and like i'm i don't know <laughs> i yeah, don't they, know they kind of toured non-stop and yeah 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 what was that what was the song you were showing me the second track off it that oh, starts the off the track. harmony yeah the let it breathe song yeah. yeah that those harmonies you're singing are so high on that and like like oh yeah they're they're like abrasively high and it's like Again, I feel like it's like a type of thing where it's like, oh, that's cool. That guy can hit that note. But like, should he be doing that? And should <laughs> let you know, like, does it serve the song? I don't really know. But definitely, I think in that case, it served the song. It made it way cooler. But like, <laughs> but like, I totally get what you're saying. And I think so much of like life and especially if you have a creative endeavor, right, is you're learning what you can shave away. It's kind of like when you have a, a marble sculpture you take away from the rock to bring out the figure. And like, right. I don't know why I say it like Jack Black, but like you take away from the rock <laughs> and you strip it down. That's why Nirvana Unplugged is so moving. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like the more you take away, the more it kind of resonates. And it sounds like you had your hands in so many different like pies that were like based in that. And like, it's, I don't know, the see where it came. And like when Lowercase Roses became the next outlet, it makes a lot of sense, and because I those records, both of them are, and there's the EP, like they're all full of this depth. And um, so with this new one, because we really haven't talked about it too much, it, there's like this whole new tonality, like with like synths and like there's this room, like there's space in it. Not that there's mm. not in the first one, but like was there like another set of influences that kind of brought that out, like, or is that something you're aiming for? Because I kind of feel a little bit like uh, Symptoms, the last American War Project, had that space. And it's interesting to see it in lowercase Rose's form. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, there were similar kind of like, uh, just similar kind of occurrences or paths that happened between <clears throat> the first and second American War record and then also lowercase roses i think that like for titanic planet the lowercase roses one i think that like i had worked on that album for a long time it was like two years um off and on with like huge breaks in, in between working on stuff but it was just me and my friend matt um up in the poconos recording stuff and I think I wanted to definitely embrace keyboard and synth sounds more because I just thought they were, I just have like, I don't know. I just think they're really cool. And, and, uh, kind of, I kind of don't know why I haven't used a lot of them in my previous music, but so I think that that was definitely intentional. And then like, I don't know. I think I just wanted the album to have a lot of peaks and valleys and like uh, more, a more of like a 360 experience. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but just like more of like a. It has an emotional range to it. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I feel like you can like look around more, whereas like Surgical Pop was like. I really am proud of that album, but it's definitely like, a, I don't, I think it's just, um, 
I don't know. It feels like you're looking kind of in the same general direction the whole time. Yeah, there's definitely that space for it, and I get what you're saying. Like, it almost can be circular, where if you listen to the start or from start to finish, you can kind of loop it, and um, mm-hmm. and that that's definitely like I think the more like you get into songwriting or or any type of art, like it's finding ways to make like not the micro, which in this case would be a song, like make sense from start to finish, but the macro, which would be an album or maybe even bigger macro, which would be like a whole. That sounds like a fish, but a whole career, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's a that makes sense where it kind of evolved and like, um. So now doing this live, like it sounds like you kind of mentioned you were like playing the tracks. Are you looping stuff to get some of this atmosphere? Like, are you or do you have a whole different set when you play live? Well, you know, I haven't. I mean, since the pandemic, I've only really played one show in the last like two years basically but the show that i did play i was i basically was like all right this is the this is like the 25 minute set that i'm going to play these are the songs and i basically kind of like i re i like re-recorded instrumentals for those songs and put like um like just more keyboard stuff like sequence sequencer kind of stuff and and like and then i would just play along to those tracks that i made with a guitar and then uh sing as well they weren't they were definitely like staying true to this the way that the recording sounded but they they were definitely like different a little bit so it wasn't like looping or anything it was just me i just like re-recorded <laughs> literally just press play on my phone and then just play along to these songs um but i recently played a like streaming set for this like streaming thing and so during that one i was gonna do the same thing but then i was like i think i'm just gonna keep it super simple so i just played me an electric guitar and you know changed some of the vibes of some songs but i was just like I'm into that. So that's what I'm going to do at this show with you. And, but speaking of like live stuff, only very recently have I reached out to some friends and I'm like, you guys want to be in my band? And they're like, yeah. So I don't know. I would love, I would love to have like a full band and try to pull these songs off, like with all their different parts and stuff. So that, and there's definitely, I mean, I would love it. And Philly is like nuts with, you know, there's so many musicians and so many people doing stuff. So, uh, but yeah, this is like very recently. I'm like, you know what you should do is you should have a release show where you play this Titanic planet from front to back and with like a full band. We will be there and for that. that. <laughs> <laughs> no tripping. Yeah. That'd be rad. Uh, but yeah, so so the, I think the goal would be definitely like, I, I I mean my dream would just to be to have like people play with me, but then also if I wanted to play alone, even the same show, you know, like it's kind of the peaks and valleys things. Like I would love to just have the freedom to just like interpret songs differently with different people. I would love to have, you know, what different shows call for. You know, like if there's like a chill show and just like strip everything down 
like that would be really cool but that requires a lot of planning and people and yeah were, were you missing that because you haven't played with other people live at least since like what 2015 oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then i just joined a band called golden apples so oh, really like cool yeah that, that's my friend russell's band um and i play bass in that band and like sing harmonies and stuff so that experience has been i remember, I remember telling him I was like yo like i haven't played with people in years and like the last couple of months we've been jamming a lot playing shows and stuff and it's just been so fun and I basically was like, hey, anybody in this band that wants to be in my band can be in that band, too. <laughs> do so, you, uh, you ever play well, uh, 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 Connie's Rick Rack? No. Okay, it's on the south side. Oh, Philly. is that is, is that is that like a bar or something? It's I like, like a, it sounds familiar. It's like a grog shop, if I had to describe oh, it. It's like the grog shop, but smaller. It's in between the two, uh, the cheesesteak places. Oh, really? Whoa. Yeah. It's not maybe not in between, but it's on that street on that side of town. Yeah, Pats and Genos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have? Are you going to stake a claim? Do you have a? Do you, I don't know if you eat meat, but um, if you do, have you had one of the Philly cheeses? And do you have a, a flag to plant there? <laughs> well, I don't eat meat, and it, For... I just I have no I have nothing. I mean, there honestly are really good vegan cheesesteaks here. Yeah, but I don't think that's what the answer people are looking for. No, that's awesome. <laughs> I was, I think most of our listeners, right, right, vegetarian. well, we are so except for Cody, he's gonna be like, <sighs> but yeah. the three of us will be. So you have to show us where the vegan places are. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a place called Blackbird that has a really, really good vegan cheesesteak. That if you're in Philly, you should check out. It's very good. Hell yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. That's exciting that there's gonna be a hopefully a full band version of it, my friend. Um, yeah, I hope so. Do you find comfort kind of in the solo thing? Like knowing that I only have to worry about me showing up and like, even though it's a lot on the performance because it's all on you. Is there like a, is there a reason like you kind of stuck more with that mode of like kind of expression of everything? Yeah. I think that, I think that you're basically right. I think that, um, I I think if I really analyze it, it could definitely be like <laughs> a response to a lot of things in my personal life where I'm just like, uh, you know, this will be all on me. I don't have to, you know, depend on anybody or have anybody be like associated with this thing. I can just, if I want to do this, I can do it. And it's been very, I love doing it. And it's, it's like, sometimes it can be so intense and nerve wracking, but I really love the fact that I can get through something like that. And I don't know, like, just like, um, still get across this these these songs and these feelings or whatever and, and i think <clears throat> like even this this one show that i played recent like in the last couple months I was super nervous the first like two, song or two and then i was just like i i just got comfortable and i was like having so much fun and kind of just like i feel like i was doing a pretty good job and it, it's just really nice to know that like you can hold your own if it came down to it right was that but, the streamy one 
that was i played um well the streaming one too but like yeah. the the one i played before that was okay. just like a it was like a backyard house show in west philly and um <clears throat> but yeah i i think that um i definitely enjoy it but now i'm like i really just want to play music live as much as i can and i'm i think i'm just realizing that like people want to see they want to they want to hear like music music they want to hear like a lot of things going on and now i'm like i want to do that too i want to i want to experience that and and play songs for people that are like lush and full and like um so but so i don't know yeah <laughs> no it makes sense and yeah. like like uh it is as an acoustic act it's hard to get a certain even even if you're abrasive, you know, even if you're loud, like it's hard to like it's hard to get people to move the same way because they're they're hearing the beat based on what you're playing, but when it's there, they they feel it more. You know what I mean? Not that it's not there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I think that like again, it's a time and place or like like I feel like if you are going to a show that you know is like a singer songwriter and then right you know that's gonna be the vibe and then like i if i played like the opening it would make sense you know like people are prepared for that but yeah i feel like i mean another thing i just i'm looking forward to hopefully if this happens is just like seeing what they become like what these songs become and like seeing what my friends will bring you know what they think about adding to stuff or whatever so so uh, you opened um, the kind of like I just thinking of that you opened for against me right? Yeah, it was fucking wild. I opened. Right? How that's I opened, that's crazy. Well, yes. Well, there's like, the Sidekicks tour right too, right? Yeah, I, we did a tour with them, which is just nuts, you know, because that band was just that was the biggest band in my life for you know when I was like in high school and a little bit after. So being able to tour with them was just absolutely, it was like amazing. But yeah, so <clears throat> I feel like Laura and I kept in like, kind of kept in touch, you know, throughout the years. And uh, she had asked me to play this show with her in Chicago in 2017 just like a one-off so i went out there i was like hell yeah i'll do that so i went out there and played with her and then a year after that i just was like texted her and i was like yo like if you if you guys are ever looking for like you know an opener or anything like i just had a lot of fun doing that last year like just let me know it's just putting it out there and she immediately was like yeah you want to play with us in speedy ortiz and i was like what yeah hell yeah it's <laughs> amazing so yeah it was nuts and and yeah it, um just it was toledo and columbus i think we when i played with them and uh freaking surreal you know I, it was very very fun but yeah i just i played solo for those shows as well that's an that's like i'm oh, sorry i heard some clipping i thought my batteries that's that's insane that's like the bit that's like i don't know it's interesting that you kind of have this arc of like finding these people you're inspired by and kind of getting that being be invited you know what i mean along for the ride and able to do your own thing so like when when you're playing for that type of crowd does it like 
does it uh did they like with the lowercase rosa stuff did people I, i'm just curious did they latch on did you get opener syndrome you know what i mean like where they're like ah oh, bring out against me or what what was that like because personally when you're up there like oh, i'm here with my heroes this is insane you know <laughs> and like but everyone there's like you're in, in front of the person i'm here to see was it like that was it welcoming well i think it was the, i think it was good reception overall and it was just two shows and i and it was also like Judy Ortiz was playing too. It was like not just like a straight up punk show or anything. It was yeah. like a somewhat. I mean, Speedy's definitely like a still like a rock band, but like I think the people that attended the shows were, I would say, more just like accepting and open minded. And uh, I had a great time. I feel like the reception was was really good. I I just remembered that I I did do the the thing where. I played along to some tracks as well for those for those shows. So there was a little bit more music going on than just me and guitar. So I think people were like digging that kind of thing. Okay, that's hard, you know, because you never know what the what the PA is going to be like. You know what I mean? Like definitely. Uh, <laughs> like even though like it may sound fine out there, you know, the monitor situation's more muffled. And, you know, you're really in your head with it like that, <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think I definitely got lucky. Like, the places we played were, like, I think they actually sounded good, like, you know, on stage and off stage. So, and I, I didn't, I didn't even think about that stuff. Like, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't even consider, like, you know, this might not sound very good. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of did, so. Well, clearly, you got called back. You know, I mean, if it, if it didn't, <laughs> you know, that's insane. That's so cool. Uh, well, Matt, thank yeah, you so fun. much for hanging out with us and having this conversation. Gabe and I have been going back and forth. We've been uh, wanting to do an interview with you for a while now, and uh, and and for even doing this show. Like this is this is yeah. super super cool, and we're super stoked about it. I'm excited oh, yeah. to see you play again. I think the last time I saw you play was at Mayhalls, and it was the week um, Trump won. And it was probably like the bleakest show. Oh, uh, was that with been. Max? Yeah, Max played, and he was leaving Cleveland, so it was like sad on that level. And yeah. Then like also, the just the whole atmosphere was so dark, you know. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for um, asking me to do this. This was really fun talking, and and like, likewise, it, I'm very excited to play. It's gonna be funny. I think. I'm pretty sure like some of my family's coming and stuff to the awesome. show. So yeah. it'll be a nice little time. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, my friend. Really thank appreciate you. this. Yeah. Thank you. It's good to catch up. Yeah, for sure. I'll see y'all soon. Cool. All right. Take Sounds care. good. Catch it. All right. Later. Bye.